You are listening to On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. On Air with JT. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening or watching a brand new episode of On Air with JT. And of course, as you know, my name is Justin Thomas, but you can call me JT. And again, thank you so much for all of your support. I really, really do appreciate it. You can listen to this show exclusively on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just head over to onairwithjt.com and all of my links and platforms are there. You can also watch the full episodes and clips behind the scenes, exclusive content at my YouTube channel. Just type in on air with JT. Just head over to onairwithjt.com and everything is right there. And of course, if you are a business owner, a brand, a company, and you're interested in advertising on this podcast, my social media platforms, and my new podcasts that are launching this year, then send me an email. Of course, serious inquiries only. You can email me at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, sir. You are listening to On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. Caution, you are listening to On Air with JT, a fully uncensored, raw, and unfiltered show. JT doesn't give a fuck. You are listening to On Air with JT, pop culture, news, rants, interviews, serious discussions that the mainstream media won't talk about, and so much more. This is On Air with JT. You are listening to On Air with JT. How's it going, everybody? You are listening or watching a brand new episode of On Air with JT. Like always, my name is Justin Thomas, but you can call me JT. I'm here with my co-hosts, Madeline Haley Marquez and David Chin. What's up, guys? What's up, JT? What's up, bro? What up? What it do? Not much. Good. <laughs> I guess we should. What? What's up? I guess we should also say what's up, everybody. Yeah, what's up, everybody? What up, everybody? That's uh, been supporting us and showing love, like 
I still can't get over it, man. It just the love and support that we're getting is it's a great feeling, you know. Like I said before, like I would do this podcast even if no one listened. I mean, that's how it was when I started off in 2010 when I was 16. But you know, because I love it so much. But just the fact that people take you know time out of their day, like I've said on previous podcasts, and whether they listen to the full episode, half an episode, a minute, they watch the reels, clips whatever like that means so much to me i know it means so much to you guys like it's just amazing yeah i can't imagine how it must feel you know for you because like i i get like half of the uh like likes and you know shares and stuff like that than you do or maybe even less than half and i still get so excited when when i have like you know the, the little wins so you must be so like overwhelmed and and like just proud of yourself because i know i would be yeah i, I mean I'm, like i've said also before in previous podcasts you know i'm really hard on myself so you know i don't like to be content or complacent but like yes i'm proud of myself and what's going on but i know i can do better i know i'm not even close to where i'm gonna be and even though that I've been podcasting since 2010, this is just the start, literally. And I know that sounds so ironic and hypocritical because it's like 13 years in, but, you know, I, I just have a new, I don't, I don't want to say passion because I've always had passion for podcasting over the years. That's never died. I would just say I, I'm just determined it more motivated than ever to make it work well i, I mean it, it might be something to do with like your age and you seeing everyone else's success within their own means like with their lives like not success in the industry but just like i guess people you grew up with seeing them like do what they're doing for their life and get you know almost turning 30 and well, stuff like that yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't mean to cut you off, but not to sound too conceited, but I mean, most people that I went to high school with, I'm still doing better than them, and I didn't even go to college. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, there's a lot of people that thought they were hot shit, and now they're like just losers. <laughs> but, you know, I guess it's all how you how what you see as a loser. You know, I see someone as a loser if they just like are good with with staying where they're at. Like like you said, you don't like to stay complacent. A loser, a loser is someone with a shitty ass mindset. That is what a loser is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like if if and then you reflect that on to other people, that that too, you know, like but if you, well, that's I don't know, because they're insecure. Yeah, that that's definitely the definition of loser. Loser. <laughs> With the shape of an L on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> hey now. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy that I got to interview Smash Mouth. I mean, like that. Just, I mean, just all star. I mean, like. Everyone knows that song, and especially when it went, you know, it was in Shrek. I mean, that just blew the fuck up. 
Yeah, I, I can't believe I was in the store shopping. I'm like looking at my phone. I'm scrolling past the post that you made about about, you know, Smash Mouth. And then I'm, I'm and then the song comes on and I'm like, what the f like, how did that happen? And I mean, I know it's a very common song to hear. You know, you know why? Just because like, I don't know. I'll tell you why. Because it's a good song. Because somebody once told me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be ridiculous. I didn't know on what level, but. <laughs> oh, man. There. So, yeah, this is, I believe, like the 54th or 55th episode of season 14. And we're just like in the beginning of February. So if we stay at this consistency, um, we're probably, I'm, I think I'm, I'm predicting that I'm going to do at least 300 shows and that's kind of being conservative with the numbers it'll probably be much more i mean because my goal is to have at least a minimum of 100 interviews and i mean we're already like what 15 percent there uh so and then with the other upcoming interviews we'll be at like 25 percent. so you know i think it's i think it's doable um but it is funny you know i had someone ask me the other day you know, how many, JT, how many podcast episodes you think you've done since the start? And that's honestly a hard question to answer because, first of all, all of, all of the episodes except like maybe like two or three are all deleted. They weren't archived from 2010 to 2020. Um, and when I started in 2010, I, I had a big you know, my initial run was from 2010 to 2012. And I was doing really big things because still, like, podcasting wasn't even close to its peak. I mean, like I said before, there was a time where I was getting more numbers than Joe Rogan. And now he's the, you know, the biggest podcaster in the fucking world. Um, but I know from 2010 to 2012, I was just banging out episodes after high school after i got home from high school every day you know one to two shows a day so if i had to guess from 2010 to 2012 i did at least 450 500 shows and then that's minimum and then just you know from the hiatuses and you know comebacks you know since from 2012 to 2020 you know maybe i did like 15 or 20 episodes, which is really low for that many years. Um, then I came back in 2020. We relaunched the show. Um, did that for about a year, a little less than a year and a half. Then I took another hiatus for like almost a year. And then came back in October of last year. And since October of 2022, We've done about almost a hundred episodes. Wow, that's, I mean, that's such a, it's so crazy, like how you go from doing maybe ten to fifteen in the in a in a long span, and then you do like, yeah, you know. I did like ten to fifteen episodes in an eight-year span, and then I did a hundred <laughs> episodes in a matter of like two three months. You're just making up. You're just trying to make up for what you didn't do, like that. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I guess some way it's overcompensating, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I guess just the point of to what I'm, you know, also want to say is that 
you know, again, like I reiterate so many times on this show, and I'm very open and vocal about it, is that you need to learn from your mistakes and failures and things like that. Like, and I don't want to sound bitter at all because I'm not, but like, I know that if I would have stayed consistent from age 16 in 2010 until now, this show would even be, you know, on a way different level, to say the least. Um, but obviously, you know, I was going through some mental health issues and some personal shit. So, you know, I took so many hiatuses and I just wasn't able to be consistent. So, you know, that is a lesson that I learned. Um, whether it, whether you want to, you know, say, oh, no, it, you know, you were sick or you're dealing with shit, you know, mental health issues and, you know, all that, like, as an excuse. I mean, yeah, maybe, you, you, you know, you can use that as an excuse. But, you know, to me, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because I still fucked up. Um, but I learned my lesson. And now, like I've said before, I mean, just just within the past couple of months, we've achieved way more numbers, interviews, every everything, you know, in terms of analytics and you know numbers, in in two two months than I did in thirteen years. Um, so that goes to show you that you know if you really reflect and understand your failures and be a little bit analytical and understand, okay, maybe I shouldn't have done this, or maybe I should have done this. Should I should have went about this that way, vice versa. You know, you gain insight, you gain knowledge from your failures and your mistakes. And obviously, you know, I gained a lot of insight and knowledge, and I came back, and the numbers and, and the results kind of speak for themselves um you know sometimes you do have to experience those failures those major fuck-ups you know you know gary vaynerchuk you know like you know very smart you know marketing dude entrepreneur businessman social media influencer you know huge fan i know it was crazy another person that like i started like following before he really blew up on the internet and you know, e even he says, you know, that you, you really can't, you got to understand like your failures and, and you got to understand, you know, where, where you went wrong. Because if you can understand where you went wrong and you can properly, you know, be analytical and really go in depth and understand maybe, you know, try and think of the, the opposite thing to do, obviously, or just a different route, a different road, then you'll achieve, you have a higher probability of, you know, achieving something, um, no matter how many times you fuck up. Because even if you fuck up, you know, a thousand times, that's a thousand times that you learned, hey, I shouldn't do it this way. So every time you fuck up, every time you mess up, you can actually learn a lot. And a lot of people get so, you know, what's the right word? 
I, I don't want to say like, you know, down on themselves or hard on themselves, but some people get into this mindset where, you know, they, they fuck up, they have a failure, they mess up, and they don't go back and they don't, they don't get up. They don't get up. They fall on the ground and, and they just lay in a fetal position, you know, hoping and praying that, you know, someone's going to pick them up. And you got to understand wh when you fail and when you fuck up in life, you have to get up. You know, fall down seven times, get back up eight. And it's not always easy to get up. You know, and, and there's a lot of times where we might even want to throw in the towel. And there's been times where I, I've, you know, wanted, to, obviously wanted to do that and literally did throw in the towel. But when you, d you know, even if you throw the, throw in the towel, you know, you have to like reflect for a second. And even with all that emotion and, and whatever you're feeling, you got to look back you know, wherever that towel is on the floor, the ground, wherever, and look at it and really ask your, yourself, your heart, your soul, who you are, why am I doing this? Why? Because if you want it bad enough, you're going to go back over and you're going to pick up that towel, even if you threw it. Because it's okay sometimes in life when you do fuck up and you fail and, you know, they say never give up. You know, people give up all the time and that's okay as long as, you know, so you, you don't give up forever. You know, it's okay to maybe take a break or a hiatus or, you know, get some space or time to redeem yourself and get back into your normal, you know, character or whatever it might be. But as long as you pick up that, you know, towel and, and you get back up from the ground and you keep pushing and striving, then that's all that matters. I know I just went really deep on you guys, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that was some deep shit. But it's, yeah. it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, Fall down two times, get up three, or something like that. Fall, was that? Fall down How? seven, get up eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good saying. It's definitely... You know, I've made a lot of mistakes being around people that I shouldn't be around. And... and we all they, do. We all do. You know, yeah, but obviously, like, bad things that happen from being around those people. You know what I'm saying? And then when you finally cut those people off, it's just everything gets better. I mean, sometimes... I mean, sometimes you really got to just let people go and people are going to be whoever they are and just stay true to you. And then because you know who you really are and that's it. I mean, exactly. I've, 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 I've had to get rid of talk to people in my life in the last couple of years. Um, we completely. all do. Yeah. It's yeah. essential. If you family members, family yeah, even blood, even blood, and it, and it's a sad thing when you have to do that, or even even when it's not even blood. You know, obviously when it's blood, that's you know a whole different thing. But even with people that you never thought you would have to cut ties with, you know, 
it's not an you know easy thing to do if you care about someone or if you love someone, whether that's you know romantically or a friendship or whatever it might be, family like it does you know it doesn't matter. It's not always it's not always an easy thing to do. You know, for some people it's easier because they've just had to do it so much they get accustomed to it. You know, it becomes second nature, but it's not always an easy thing to do is to cut off, you know, toxic people, but it's essential overall. Yeah. Another thing that I want to say is like people that that have je- a lot of jealousy and envy in their hearts that that just want to see you destroyed. Like, screw you, honestly. Like there's, you know, some stuff that happened within the last year or two that you know, a certain somebody, I'm not going to say any names, you know, try to try to ruin my, my, my relationship with my, my fiance, and not, not even a family member, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe close to, relative to my, my daughter, but you, you're, you're a hater. You, you like to, you like to try to be a troll and get underneath people's skin. He knew you had no, a girl? You're angry because I'm strong. I'm a stronger person than he is. He's mad that he's not even half the man that I am. He's mad, very angry. Oh, I know what you're talking. Very about. angry, uh-huh. envious, very yeah. envious. I, I've talked. That, that, that's a, that's a problem, dude. I mean, that, I've yeah. said it so many times. The envy is so fucking real, <clears throat> and a lot of people, you know, obviously they, you know, people say it all the time, and you know, some people might not fully get it, but once you start doing things in life once you start accomplishing things you know making progress having a buzz you know fulfilling your goals your dreams your destiny your purpose the envy is real you know people you know even people and i've experienced this firsthand you know people that you think are your you know really good friends, best friends, like brothers, quote unquote, you know, you know, are, en- can be envy of you and, and they, and they're, they're good actors, you know, for some, some, sometimes, you know, for some people, you know, but that goes to a, you know, a whole nother level of just like, you know, narcissism and being manipulative, but right. um, yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> Another thing that, that you and I can relate on is like, you know, a lot of my life when I was a younger kid, I was a little bit different than everybody else. And, you know, just because I'm different than other people and I have mental problems doesn't make me less of a person. You know what I'm saying? There's people that that been, I, I mean, it, it took me a while for some amount of years. There's some people that that just been around me just to just to get at me in a certain type of way and feel like I'm, I'm some kind of weak target and try to take advantage of me and yeah, talk. I've, I've experienced that in my you life as well. We've all been through that. Yeah. So to those people that did that and then to be fake behind my back, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's expected. And what, what's, I'm, what's, I'm what's very, ironic, I don't mean to cut you off, David, but what's <laughs> ironic is, you know, I experienced some of this in high school and, mm-hmm. It's funny, you know, obviously, you know, well, I graduated in 2012, so like 11, you know, 10, 11 years later, you know, me personally, I, I'll get messages from people that, you know, used to like bully me or like make fun of me for podcasting or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, 
come back and be like, yo, what's up, man? Or like, uh, yo, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I was a dick to you. Like, I, you know, now I have mental health issues. And it's crazy how some people can grow and, and change, you know, because we all change. We all grow. It's just a matter of whether we're growing and changing in the right direction or not. That's the question. Right. Um, so. It's, JT, it's Dr. Hard. Phil. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> um, I was I was trying to say it's it's hard for people to uh, to see what's you know what's really going on in, in certain situations you know until it's too late um, and like you know bullies are definitely. Uh, able to change um you know later on in life and people might have felt bad you know what i mean and reached out because they might have felt bad for how they treated you or you know whoever uh they're trying to apologize to because um you know there i can't say that i've never bullied anybody like i feel like that would be like i feel like a lot of people have bullied people in, in some type well, of well, the majority of people that do bully people, even if they don't mean it, were bullied themselves. Right. So like it was a, so I yes, mean, I, even I can admit there were times when I was much younger where I've been a sort of a bully, not like crazy, but like, just like an asshole. Yeah, I was never, I was never a bully and I, I was never really bullied like that. I mean, maybe picked on a little bit but not actually full on bullied like how people some like some people got stories of like the one bully that like yeah cuz you look like you have a fucking black belt <laughs> nervous, Ken. you look like you got like a like a pink belt I had I had one dude that that used to bother me but then it wasn't really like that like it just wasn't like how how it'd be in the movies where you didn't even get beat up and stuff I never got beat up or 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 grabbed by the pull some Steven Seagal shit yeah, like stuff like that. I ne I've never experienced that type of that type of bullying at all. You know what I mean? But I, I've had people, you know, pick on me a little bit and stuff and make fun of me. You know, just that goes with me being different. You know what I'm saying? Just because I'm different. Yeah. yeah. I'm always going to be different. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be the same as everybody else. Everybody likes that's to okay, be the same. But that, that's, that's a good thing. We yeah. all are different. And exactly. the, the thing is with society and people, they all want to fit in. You know, there, there's not enough leaders there's so many fucking followers everybody, oh, wa everybody wants to follow the next trend what's cool what's hip oh you gotta check this out oh you gotta do this oh you gotta wear balenciaga like no like first of all stop doing that because you look unoriginal second yep. of all you're it's not creative or you know impressive and third of all what are you doing Exactly. You know what I want? This name brand, like that's a good, like brand. Uh, but it's not clothing, or you don't wear it unless you get it. You know, unless it's a. Actually, you could wear it like a guitar. Um, I really like like the Les Paul with like a really cool strap. Or I could get one of those. You know, you could wear one of those like fucking pianos. You know, the ones that are little. You could get a strap for that. I I I would I really want a fucking Korg. 
electric keyboard. I'm that's the fucking name brands that I give shit about for real. Nice. And I know on the podcast, you know, a few weeks ago, I was talking about, you know, people's priorities on how, you know, they want to buy. <laughs> David will have a little laugh. You know, people that even that you know can't whether they can afford it or not. You know. Well, actually, you know, let me rephrase that. The people that really can't afford it, but, you know, technically on, you know, paper, you know, they might, but that's besides the, you know, point of the case. But, you know, people, people's priorities are all fucked up and screwed up. A lot of people, you know, they want to buy that, that, that fucking three series BMW or that, or that C-class Mercedes, you know, um, and they want to buy the designer clothes. They want that Dior. They want that Gucci. The Louis. They, they want you know, the, you know the, the latest iPhone, whatever. But are are you investing into a Roth IRA, mutual mutual funds, index funds, S and P five hundred, real estate, or just putting money away in, in savings? I mean. It, it's just crazy people's priorities are so screwed up because of society because, you know, oh, if people think, you know, you know, because you and, you know, David, you and I, we're both car lovers. Like, we want, like, nice cars not to show off. We're not doing it to, like, be like, oh, look, you know, look at me. It's because we actually appreciate the fucking car. But exactly. there's so many people out there that are like, oh, I got to get a BMW to look like I, I, I got money. Like, like, you're, you're, no one gives a fuck. Like, especially if you're having a fucking $30,000 BMW. I'm sorry. Like, it's not impressive. Like, so don't, don't waste your money. Invest your money. Start a small business. Or if you're not an entrepreneur type, that's fine. If you're more of a 9 to 5, that's fine. Max out your fucking 401k. Yeah, you're right about that one. You know, pe- people's, you know, and, and I'm guilty of this in, you know, in my early 20s of, of making stupid decisions. Like when I bought the Infiniti G37 XS, like I should not have bought that that car. I didn't have the money to buy that car. You know, I mean, I, I didn't. You know, the fucking car payments were like 400 a month, and the insurance at the beginning was like 650 700 a month. And then, not, and, then, and, then, and then when I almost got into an accident, well, when I got into an accident and a, and a speeding ticket, um, of course, I got a speeding ticket in that car. Um, the, they wanted like a little over a thousand, so I had to sell the car because I was like 1500 bucks a month. If I'm, if I'm spending 1500 bucks a month on a car, it might as well be a fucking you know Bentley or you know, you know, S550 or you know, a Ferrari or some shit like a Rolls Royce. Like, it's ridiculous, it's it's stupid decisions, but I feel like we all kind of need to go through those kind of dis- you know situations in life, you know, whether it's buying a car that we can't afford that for too much or. You know, having too much of a, a, a monthly car payment or stuff like that. Like we we need to experience those situations and learn our lessons to be able to be smarter when we you know grow and progress and evolve. Yes, sir. But that's, just that's my, crazy. That's you were under, you were under twenty five when the, when you had that. It made matters worse. But 
Bro, I'm I'm 29 in with my driving record, and mind you, I have like a newer Honda, you know, Civic, and I'm still paying like 300 bucks a month in car insurance. I'm gonna tell you something funny that happened before I, mean, I moved. Cars paid off. I paid that. I just paid that in full. But like, the still 300 bucks a month for car insurance is ridiculous for a Honda Civic. I yeah, mean, I, know I do live in Boston. I do have. You know, a good amount of speeding tickets. Um, that sucks, man. Yeah. You want to know a story that happened before I moved back up here uh, when I was in Florida? I actually got, I no one knows this, but I, I actually got pulled over by a state, state trooper one night. And I went 15 miles over the speed limit. And I, I almost shit myself. The crazy part about it is I didn't even see him because I, I'm tired. It's like 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'm going to Wawa and stuff. And he pulled me over. And I'm like, damn, he pulled me over right when I was pulling in there because I was going 15 over and he stopped me. He's like, you know, you went 15 over speed limit, right? I'm like, yeah, yes, sir. Where, where, where is this? All right. It, it, First of all. Wait, no, hold on. Where, where was this? I, got, I, I just got to say something before you can continue with your story. You know where this was. No, it was, <laughs> no, it was like in Florida. Yeah, oh, you know exactly right. where so if, this, if this shit happened in like somewhere in Boston, like the cops wouldn't even fucking chase you. <laughs> You know what? Not, and maybe some of them, but like, like most of them would just be like, because that's just how we drive. Like, yeah. If you're not you know driving what, above the speed limit, then you're getting, you know, you're you're getting tailgated. Facts. So what happened was, I actually didn't get it. He didn't give me a ticket at all. He let me go. He seen he seen what I had, what kind of license I had. He just let me go. He's like, not all cops are bad. We're we're not all of us are bad. I looked at him. I said, I really really appreciate that. Genuinely, you know what I'm saying. So um. Was he, yeah. was well, he white? That, that's yeah, not, he was white, too. That's not how it happened. So, <laughs> I, I, you, sound, you, sound <laughs> like, you sound like an attorney. It, it's not. Well, we'll, so we'll, 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 we'll judge. This is not how it happened. So how did let it let happen? me explain. Go ahead. For, for, for one, it was 20 miles over. And two, uh, that the cop walked up normal. And then David rolled down the window, angry David. And I also with his hands in in the air with with his mannerisms, like what did it, I do? What did I do, man? Not just that, but his face obviously was all fucked oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> and I can picture this shit. And uh, so he's looking at me, and you know me, I look real sketchy. So that's just yeah. That's, he asked me. That, so that, you, Maddie, know, so you that, look like you just robbed a fucking bank. Listen, I never, ever had that in any, any discovery of mine. So that never happened ever. So the only thing that happened was I helped the situation. And then he was like, because the cop was like, why are you so angry? You were going 20 miles over. And he, and he, and then David was like, nah, man, I just, I, I just don't like cops <laughs> or something like that. I swear he said something like that. And then, and then I was, Classic I looked at David and then I looked at him and I was like, you know what? He's not angry. He's just, he, he has, uh, he's not angry that he's just like that. And I said, I said, we're not, we're not mad at you at all. I said, I said, we support some, we support police. And I smiled at him <laughs> and then I, I, I support good. I, I support. Me too. Good I support police. Good. That's, that's it, though. I have I have family that's police, but not actual family, like not blood related family, because 
they wouldn't be able to do that. But um, anyway, yeah. So basically, we got off because he was like, oh, I think he's seen maybe that David had like a CDLA and he didn't want to fuck it up or something like that. So so that's why he made the comment like not all cops are bad. And, and I definitely don't think all cops. Are, I don't think, you know, I think that there's, you know, a lot of people that benefit from from uh you know calling police because it just helps them you know like if cops come when the ambulance comes so if someone overdoses a cop's there sometimes before the ambulance and is able to administer uh narcan or or definitely there there are there are some great people who actually want to protect and serve their community correct i believe fortunately just like with everything else Yep. There's bad there's good and bad apples and there are a lot of bad cops. And you know, like I just said, you know, when people bring up the whole discussion oh, of, you know, so many bad cops, you know, people's go to is well that you know, there's there's good and bad apples with everything. Well, yes, but not every you know, not not all those careers, you know, have have you have access to a gun in authority in Lights and sirens, and well, what's, <laughs> being what's able to you know falsely you know arrest somebody or you know plant evidence or whatever it might be, you know, and and there's an issue because it's a it's a brotherhood, so you know, you know, there. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't cops that you know don't speak out, you know, about shit that goes wrong, that you know in the you know police stations or sheriff or whatever, but. You know, of course, there's, you know, shit that goes on. And, you know, obviously, it's different now with the whole body cam, you know, era. Because, you know, not just for, you know, entertainment, I watch a lot of, like, you know, videos of, you know, you know, like, people getting arrested or whatever. Like, so I see, like, a lot of POV, like, point of view, uh, like, body cam. And even to this day, you know, on hundreds of videos I've seen and I'm not exaggerating you know the cops will like signal or like like do something to like let the other cop know like yo the the body cam's on it's recording don't, don't say anything stupid yeah um it's crazy it, it's wild I, there, there was like, there was even a cop in Boston that that just got fired like uh, like a year ago because he was saying yeah it's automatic yeah yeah, just there's there's this fucking reel about this lady in Boston yelling at these cops, and it's so funny because her accent's so thick. Oh yeah, it's funny. That's a funny video. <laughs> like, it, it's funny what's going on because they're obviously like so, you what know. Are you, a, you a cop or something? You fucking. <laughs> 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 you. Oh shit! Yeah, but but uh, it's, it's so funny because there's another thing I wanted to say real quick. Um. There's also another reel about this like NYPD police officer, and she's like, uh, "NYPD is the biggest gang in 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 New York or whatever, or in in the world or something like that." And it's just so funny because like, why the fuck are they acting like they're a gang? Like, I, I, first I, of all, they're they're not the big they would they're not the biggest gang in the world. They would get wiped first out of all, by, by gangs, and they, they would get wiped out by the cartel. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Cartel really is the big. Like, I, feel like, I feel like they would get that wiped bi- out. That bitch is dumb. That bitch is dumb. I told you, I told you years ago that uh, when I was in the Corrections Academy, which I didn't succeed with the job, 
or whatever. I just wanted to do something else. I met, uh, I don't know if he's a, he was like a, a detective in our training and he uh, was from the New England area. And I asked him, I said, yo, he's like, he's gang unit. So I was like, so what is the most dangerous uh, gang in the United States that you had to deal with? And you know what he told me? He told me the most dangerous gang in the United States was the Aryan Brotherhood, which is the Ku Klux Klan. So yeah, that that goes through, that's that's that. So we know what the most dangerous technical American in the United States gang is. So that's, that's fucking wild. Yeah, it was the crazy. It my jaw dropped when he told me that. So if you are a business owner, a brand, a company, someone with a product or a service, and you're interested in advertising on this podcast, the Mental Health Awareness Podcast that's launching very soon, an additional podcast that's launching very soon, hosted by me. Also, I'm launching my podcast media network, my online radio station that's going to play all of the shows and content from my media company, whether that's my podcast, the mental health podcast, interviews, other podcast shows that are hosted by other people, whatever it might be. It's going to be all on a website, 24-7 live streaming. It's going to be great. Um, I have the social media marketing agency and management coming back. I'm relaunching. Uh, so if you're interested in advertising on this podcast, send me an email, seriousinquiriesonly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. That's onairwithjt at gmail.com. Of course, you can watch the full show, the full episode, clips, behind the scenes, exclusive content at our YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube and type in On Air with JT. If you do have an account, I would greatly appreciate it if you could please subscribe. Um, obviously, you can listen to this podcast on all major streaming platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and about 15 additional plus more uh, platforms. But I do know that a lot of people that listen to the podcast, they listen on their iPhone with the podcast app, the Apple podcast app, the purple app. And if you do and you are a fan and a, a supporter and you like what we do and you enjoy the content and the show, if you could do us one big favor, small favor, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, all you got to do, it's going to take 30 seconds. All you got to do is go to the app, the Apple podcast app, type in on air with JT, click on the show, scroll down. And you can rate the show one out of five stars. Rate it whatever you'd like. I'm not asking you to rate it a five. If you don't think it's a five, you know, you can leave a comment. Also, if you have any questions or want to get in contact with me or the show, uh, if you're interested in advertising or being a guest, you can always reach out on air with JT at gmail.com. Um, on social media, Instagram, Justin Thomas Insta. Instagram, on air with JT. YouTube, on air with JT. Twitter, on air with JT. Facebook, on air with JT. Uh, see if there's a little pattern there. Facebook, Justin Thomas. TikTok, Justin Thomas. TikTok, Snapchat, Justin Thomas SC. But I mainly use my Instagram, which is Justin Thomas Insta. Um, if, and again, uh, I just want to let you guys know, I know it's a lot. So everything that I just mentioned is right over at onairwithjt.com. Maddie and David, where can people follow you and check out your content? 
Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Nismo uh, Chin underscore 23. That is N-I-S-M-O-C-H-I-N underscore 23. And my Facebook is David Chin. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at Madeline Haley Marquez, uh, M-A-D-A-L-I-N-H-A-L-E-Y-M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z. And on Instagram, I am Madeline uh, with two N's and it's underscore Haley. So M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-N underscore Haley. And my YouTube and TikTok are LazyI16. I make uh, reels and post funny content and also motivational content about my life. I have a four-year-old daughter, David. Here is my fiance, if you're, I guess, the first-time listener. Um, yeah, go check me out. Or go check us out. Definitely. Go give them both a follow. They put out really good content, and they're very consistent. And like I said so many different times it's not the same shit it's you know a variety of different kinds of you know themes and you know topics and, and everything so definitely go give both of them a follow uh david and maddie you know we got to talk about you know something you know because you know i'm always just scrolling on you know instagram or facebook and you know i see these you know memes and shit about you know eminem destroying mgk's rap career and <laughs> no es essentially yes Eminem did sort of destroy his rap career but and then, and then people make you know they say and they make fun of him like oh he had to switch genres but personally I believe that was actually the best thing that could have happened to him because I feel like he found his real calling his lane you know, am I, am I saying he's not a good rapper? No, I'm not saying that. Like, he he's decent. But, you know, this new style is good. I mean, you know, you, you know, Tickets to My Downfall in 2020 is actually a pretty good project. I mean, the last project, um, what was it called? Uh, Mainstream Sellout was, there was like a couple songs on it. But other than that, it was pretty garbage. But... Um, am, is he the best singer? No. Is he the best rock star? No. But I feel like he's getting a, a little bit more hate than he deserves right now. And not to mention, he did he did pretty well on that you know that diss on Eminem. Yeah, I I think um, he had the best type of diss out of any rapper that could have dissed him. Um, I know he's been he threw shots at him a couple times over a couple years, but then I, I feel like he said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop the drop a song with this man." And I give him a I give. Him, he didn't, he's bold for he that. He didn't end up like Benzino. Yeah, he's, and, his, and you know I've told the story. You know, obviously, if you guys don't know who Benzino is, he's a rapper. You know, you probably might know him from reality TV, but he's from Boston. His father is like a. Uh, let's just say he's an OG in Boston. Uh, or was, um, let's put it like that. Um, so, and if you don't know, you know, Ben Zeno's daughter is Coy Ray, and he also has a son. He has a couple kids. But um, back, I think back in 2017, um, his son, Chavo, who's a rapper, you can go check him out, 
uh, he came to the crib, recorded some music, and Koi was supposed to come. And so, like, I, I was aware of her music and shit way before she blew up. And I knew she was going to kind of blow up, but I did not think she was going to blow up this big. And, to, and like, her music is not that good, but that re- that new that new song that plays whatever... That's it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a good song. That's a good fucking song. I downloaded that. I bought that shit. That shit is catchy as fuck. Yeah. And, well, and, 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 and like I, me personally, I don't know why, but I find her so attractive. Like, and she, and she, you know, she, she, you know, she ain't got no, she ain't got no titties. She ain't got no ass. But like, I'm not trying to body shame. She's she's beautiful, but like, um, she's I don't know. She's just. I don't know. Like some people like say she looks like like an alien and shit, but like I don't know. There's something about her. I, I find her really attractive. Um. First of all, she is beautiful, and I feel like she is doing the most awesome thing. Uh, the way that she's making content right now is really really cool. Um. I got a lot of respect for her, but she kind of, I'm not trying to sound funny, but she kind of does look like an alien. Not even, no disrespect to her. She she has a great personality. She, she has a dope personality. I, I, I just had to say it. I just, I, oh, I don't want to, I'm not, no disrespect. She, she looks kind of crazy to me. To yeah, me. I feel like you guys are bullies and no I'm not. not i said she was i just said she's very attractive and i find her and she's very beautiful so i i i, I, was, I, I, just, I just said she didn't have any like ass first of all, she, <laughs> she, she she has a small she actually has like a like a it's not the ass that i usually like prefer but like she has a nice like tiny cute ass but like you know, like I'm not body. I'm not trying to body shame her. I'm just saying, like that's not usually like my type. I mean, even though like Zoe Kravitz kind of has like a similar build. What so, What about Bia? Yeah, Bia looks good, and she's from in the Boston. same place. Yeah, I mean, I think she grew up in New York, but she moved to Boston. Yeah, she was very that's young. Bia, important. Bia, <laughs> there's a whole lot of money in this motherfucker. I fucking love her. <laughs> Yeah, she, she looked good. Really she looked good. I don't know who I would pick, Coil Ray or or I'd probably be a. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Patty? You know me. I want both. Oh, sheesh. Uh, on, um, on there, sound like Drake and Gucci. <laughs> uh, no, but on some real shit. Uh, I just, I just want to like just make it clear that we all, we all respect women, and of yeah. we, we just are saying how beautiful they are, and and the verbiage might be a little bit harsh, but you know we just are really passionate about how much we love fucking women, like, and I don't mean oh, fucking. Yeah. Every, everybody's beautiful. I don't you know. have any sex with them. I mean, in gen- in general, that we just love, and I was just enunciating the word. In its use I, and saying fuck, not saying that we love to fuck women. All right, I'm gonna say this: Coyle Ray has a, has a pretty face. That's it. That's it. That's it for me. That's that's simple and plain. Everything else is just I I don't know, man. That's, that's I mean, not me. You know who I think has a really pretty face? Who? Um, Jenna Ortega. Oh, you know you know who's pretty? Glow Glowrilla. Uh, Glow-rilla. Uh, She's skinny, but she has a body, though. I don't get all the hype. She has a body, though. 
I don't get all the hype, just like the whole thing about Ice Spice. Uh, I don't care about her. <laughs> Ice Spice, I, that's, that's not. I see. I don't know. All she got she is a fat. To... All she got is a fat ass. I feel like uh, she was forced on us. I feel like Glorilla and Ice Spice equally looked good, and I feel like you know, you Glo- know, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know who who still looks good to this day, Kelly Rowland. Okay. I don't know if you looked at her, what she looks like recently. I haven't seen her. She looked no. good. She still looked good. I I haven't seen her either, but I'm sure she does. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm, I, uh, who, who, who else do I think looks really good right now? Do you like Carrie Helson? I don't know who that is. Oh, yes, I do. With Kanye. Yo, 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 yo David. David. Yo. Oh, no. What what she say? Uh, oh no! Uh, yeah, not, not not again! <laughs> that should always <laughs> keep rocking. <laughs> that song's funny. Yo, that's oh. actually a, yo Neo, bro. Neo, pe- pe- people like don't give him his flowers. Like Neo was like, bro. No, he Neo, he wrote he wrote songs for Rihanna and yeah, Chris. Bro, he he wrote okay. so many. He's like the Crazy. dream, bro. The dream, bro. Bro, the, write, the dream. To perform yeah, songs, yeah, you bro. Know? It's it's harder. It's harder to write it a, a hit song than I didn't perform. Say, I'm not. I'm not discrediting him in in the aspect of writing music. I'm saying his performance is not there for me. I just don't care. Neo, I just, if you're listening, bro, I'm a big so fan. You, so you don't like the song? You don't like the song "Sexy Love"? Neo, Neo, if you're listening, bro, you're sexy, and I would still, and I think anybody would. I'm I, just. I, I reached out. To, I reached out to his management. So. Yo, that was, yo, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yo, honestly though, if you get that interview, I, I all three of us gotta be in that because I'm a big fan, bro. I, I got his music on my phone. Him, I'm good. Him and Mario. Mario, when Yo, he did the verses, didn't he the verses. Did he, he have the, the did Mario let me love you? Whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Yo, remember um, get it, shawty, get it, shawty. Oh, Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd yeah. Yo. <laughs> yeah, I love Yo, that beat, that beat. That beat was crazy. Dun, oh, yeah. Dun, yeah. Yeah, but speaking of females, I I gotta bring this up because I gotta bring this into a reel. You know, we look nowadays and we, we see Pete Davidson, you know, pulling all of these beautiful women. But we don't, you know, a lot of us forget, you know, that Eric Andre, Eric Andre pulled Rosea, what's her name, Rosea Dawson? Like, like what? <clears throat> and, and he also dated... Um, that the the girl that that Pete Davidson was just with Emily Ratosky, whatever her name is, like and look look up what Eric Andre looks like. Oh, I know who he is. No, bro, it, it, Eric Andre walked so Pete Davidson could run. Eric That's Andre crazy. was with Dawson, and she is fucking beautiful. I I just watched Seven Pounds again last night. Just to fucking see her beautiful face. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, so uh, that, that that leads me to the next question. I don't know if you guys seen the movie Seven Pounds by Will Smith and, and Rosario Dawson, which is a very good movie. But I was trying to think to myself, 
which is a bet well because my two favorite movies by him is you know pursuit of happiness and seven pounds i and because they're amazing performances and i'm trying to like figure out which performance was better but i don't know if you guys have seen the movie seven pounds uh i might have a long time ago i don't really remember yeah it's hard because you know he he killed it in seven pounds he killed it in pursuit of happiness they both came out like within a couple of years ironically they both were based and filmed in san francisco um very weird um, but he, he killed both roles. And, and just I just want to say one thing that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, a lot of people, you know, know Adam Sandler as being, you know, the funny comedian and not, not really doing that many, like, serious roles. So when he came out with the movie Hustle, people were like, holy shit. Like, you know, he, he can actually, like, act, you know, not just be, like, the funny guy. But people don't understand that one of his best movies, one of my favorite movies he did in like 06, 07 with Don Cheadle called Rain Over Me. And it's a great, great fucking movie. And if you want to see Adam Sandler really act, you need to watch Rain Over Me. People talk about you know him acting in Hustle. Watch him in Rain Over Me with Don Cheadle. Great fucking movie. Yeah, I I love Adam Sandler, um, and he's so talented. So he's, from, he's from New Hampshire. He, it, was <laughs> funny, it was funny. He was just at, he was in New Hampshire, like, uh, when I was in Florida, you know, during the holidays, and he, you know, obviously just being Adam Sandler, you know, he went to some, like, normal-ass restaurant in New Hampshire, and people were, like, Snapchatting, like, oh, my, like, freaking out. And you know how, like, Adam Sandler dresses. Like, he don't give no fucks. He don't have no stylist. He wears, like, basketball shorts with, like, you know, a, you know, he doesn't match. Like, he got like a yellow shirt. Yeah, he, he don't give no fucks. And, and like, what, I'm, all props to him. But, like, uh, it's just, it was just so funny just seeing him just, like, because he's, like, just, I, I don't want to say he's a normal guy because he's not. I mean, you know, in terms of, like, just how society puts, you know, actors and celebrities and famous people on, on a pedestal. But, you know, it goes to show that, you know, even people like that, you know, still, you know, at least try to, you know, fit into society or be genuine because you didn't have to go to some cheap, you know, you know, you know, I don't want to say cheap, but like, you know, some normal restaurant, you know, he could have, you know, went to, you know went anywhere you know so uh i don't know it's just it's cool to see you know when celebrities are so down to earth and, and genuine um that's why like i really aspire to be like when i do make it to be someone like keanu reeves um or someone like that um but yeah um david you know you know what's fucking crazy bro what's up couple of days ago marked the 19th year anniversary since the college dropout came out and okay. bro i feel fucking old first of all because i was 19 years ago and i literally remember buying that album well my mom bought me it <laughs> thanks mom and you know obviously you know in my opinion it's the greatest debut freshman album by a rapper and then probably you know definitely in the top you know, list of debut albums by, you know, by an artist of all time. 
Um, but just in, ha- you know, rap and hip hop, it's definitely the best, you know, debut freshman album of, of all time. I, I don't really think you can argue with that. I mean, can you? There's nothing else that, there's nothing else that compare to that album. Yeah. I, I, uh, live, the rap is nothing just as good as Kanye. But bro, that I, album, I listen to that album to this day on repeat. And, and not just like Through the Wire, All Falls Down. Like, I, I yeah, listen to the whole, whole album. album, bro. Even my one of the best songs at the the last song, Last Call. And it's so inspiring, the shit he says that, you know, he's talking about how he's wanted, he was trying to get the record deal and it fell through and all this shit like he went on like this like four minute like tangent rant like kanye being kanye before he you know he was you know like i don't i was gonna say the kanye he is now but you know that's a whole nother story but um yeah it's just a great first of all crazy because you know i feel old as fuck the fact that i remember i remember buying that album 19 years ago but i also remember buying the Eminem show in 2002 and I was only eight years old. So that's fucking crazy. I went to a circuit city and got the album and they don't even fucking exist. I don't think anymore. Um, yeah, they don't have those anymore. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a crazy week. You know, we, we, I did like, I believe I did 12 or 13 interviews in a six or seven day span and honestly i don't know if any other podcaster radio host radio personality or even late no, late night talk show host has done that like that that's a lot you know it's a lot you know especially when you're interviewing multiple people in one day people really don't understand that it's not always as easy because here's the thing, you know, like just over the past week, you know, I, a couple of days I had like two or three interviews and, you know, two, two of those times I had like consecutive back to back interviews. And first of all, when you, when you're talking to somebody on the phone or, you know, meeting somebody for the first time, you know, Obviously, you know, it's a unique experience um, because you don't know each other. And then you have to deal with when you're interviewing them, especially at least in my position right now, you know, um, I'm, you know, obviously on paper less successful than these people. So, you know, I'm dealing with their personality when I'm interviewing them, I'm trying to get to know them and their their ego i'm not saying they have like a like a bad ego or a high ego or whatever it might be but just you know everybody has an ego and everybody has a different type of personality and when you're interviewing these people or at least when i do you know i try and somewhat match you know their energy and in, in you know just kind of match match that energy so then when you have to when that interview ends you know, you go back to yourself and then you got to do another interview and you don't know what to expect because because the person's personality and ego can be the complete opposite. And then you have to match that, you know, energy. So it's not always an easy task to interview people back to back. Yeah, that's you doing a 
you're doing a lot, man. Uh, I'm happy for you. You know what I'm saying? You and Maddie put in so much work. Like, it's it's crazy. It's yeah. mind blowing. You guys are getting results out of it too, so it's like the best part. Yeah, thanks, bro. I'm I'm trying. You know, this is just a start, and it's just crazy the the amount of people that I've interviewed since I came back from my hiatus in October, or just even since, you know, the start of season 14 on January 9th of this year. You know, I've interviewed like 15 people. Like, I, I, I've, I didn't even interview 15 successful people in the 13 years. And I did that in a month. <laughs> like, what? It's only been like two months. Yeah. That is here. But it is ironic, you know. Uh, I think I told Maddie, I don't know if I told you, but, you know, the first, like, you know, quote unquote, big interview that I ever had was in 2011 with this producer. He goes by a different name now, but I believe his, his name, his producer name, or his real name was like Com, uh, Cautious D. Cobb. And long story short, he wrote Just the Way You Are for Bruno Mars, which is like, you know, his biggest fucking song. He wrote the fucking song. And I got to interview him like a couple months into podcasting, which is fucking crazy. And then ironically, he produced Lupe Fiasco's most underrated song, I believe, you know, on the Lasers album and in general, Till I Get There. And when I was interviewing him, he even told me, like, yeah, you can actually hear my my vocals on the hook. And Lupe just kind of, like, sang over it. Um, oh. So it's it's crazy just going from, like, you know, and obviously, you know, he's a very, he was, a, I don't know if he's still producing, but, you know, he won a Billboard Award for writing the song. He won an ASCAP Award for writing the song. Um you know, obviously, he, th- those streams and royalty checks must, you know, must be okay too till this day. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy from going from that to this, and and, and this is just the start. Right. Yeah. It, so it's it, it's fucking crazy. Like, like I, I look at my phone contacts. And I think I said this on Facebook, and and, and, and uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm literally damn, that was loud as fuck. Yeah, uh, no, it's all good. Uh, so I was looking at my phone contacts, and I just start seeing, and it's not like a flex or anything, but it's just very surreal, because like I have so many people that I just interviewed recently, their personal numbers. And it's weird having like, like someone that you like grew up listening to, or a fan of, or even still listen to, and like love their, their work, and you're a fan of, and you look at your contacts, and it's their direct fucking personal number. It's a very weird experience, and I'm sure it's only gonna get weirder as you know the more pe- you know people as I network with and bigger people that I meet like like I can't wait till the day like I got like Oprah's fucking phone number in my in my contact list like <laughs> like that would be crazy 
I mean, after what I hear about uh, in the news about her, I don't know if I would want her number on my contact list, list but I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I mean, there's two sides to every story, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Anyway. So you know, I got to say, uh, Maddie, do you remember how we were just talking about how I brought up on the previous show about Michael Jackson's like catalog estate getting sold for about 900 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found out <laughs> that's he's selling. Well, he's not. The estate is selling 50% of the catalog for 900 million. So it's really valued at 1.8. I knew it. I knew it couldn't be that fucking low. I, I said you that. You said that. I know you did. I- I knew that there was no way I'm like, I'm like fucking Justin Bieber gets 200 uh, million and, 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 and uh, Michael Jackson only gets 900 million. No way. I said, make it a billion at least. Do you have have your phone or computer in front of you? Can you, can you look up, um, look, type in, um, music catalogs, Michael Jackson owns. You're going to be fucking mind blown. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure it's a, it's some amazing artist. Um, all that's coming up is like the yeah, it's fifty percent of the music catalog. It's it's not it's not saying uh, what, what is it? Is it everything under Sony Publishing? <laughs> yeah, he owns like half a Sony. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, um, yeah. he own people don't even know that. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Um, I love that guy. You know, I I know that he probably, he might have maybe probably definitely did everything that everyone thinks he did. But I, I, I don't think, I don't, my personal belief, obviously never met the man, you know, and, and I don't want to discredit anybody that said anything. But from my perspective, you know, from what I've seen, heard, watched, researched, you know, obviously he was pushed into music and, and, and that by his father and everything and, the, you know, the whole family, Jackson 5 and all that. And, you know, he didn't have a childhood. He, he literally, you know, grew up very, very young in show business in the public eye. And he missed out on so much stuff. And maybe just with his personality, you know, he just wanted to. And I know that sound, this this might sound a little weird. And it kind of does when I say it out loud, when I'm going to say it out loud. But maybe he just wanted to hang out with like little kids to, to have that experience that he didn't get to have. And I know that sounds creepy also at the same time. But it, it's, I don't know. It's very complex. You know, there's people that say, you know, people that were very close, like, you know, Macaulay Culkin, you know, from Home Alone, like he's like they hung out so many times. And he's and I believe he said, like, you know, Michael Jackson's would never have done anything like that. But then you hear stories of. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's just ridiculousness. But anyway, like I just I, I just looked at something and uh, I can't believe he 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 joked uh, in in like 1983 and saying that he was going to own, you know, some of the Beatles work. And two years later, yeah, he, I, he does. He, uh, he bought the Beatles, I believe. Beatles, Elvis, 
Yeah, that's why it's, that's why it's worth. That's why and it's worth. That's why they're selling it for so much because he owns all all that shit. That's so crazy. His estate. But he 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 wanted to buy. Oh wow, McCartney wanted to buy it back. Um, yeah. From, yeah. That's crazy. Like, and it's like. And he it's said in, no. He said no. Yeah, he was like, "Ah, oh, fuck that." Um. Yeah, that's that's insane. Wow. Yeah. I, it's crazy. I can't. It. It's and, just. And, it's... And what did I say? What did I fucking say? You know, like I said it on. I said it on the. I think I believe I said it on the Christmas show or or the day before when I was in Florida in the bathroom, that you know I was talking about Justin Bieber selling his ca- his music catalog. I said, you can look back. Like like I said, quote, for we are going to see a significant amount of successful artists and people selling their catalogs and what do we see already i mean bieber just sold it dr dre just sold his um or most of it for a little over 200 million russ got offered 50 turned it down you know michael jackson's estate i mean i'm sure there's so many in the in the works um i'm telling you like we're gonna look back and we're like damn jt was right like i'm telling you that even within the the next year or two we're, we're going to see so many big name successful musicians and bands selling their entire catalog or at least you know half but most of them are going to just sell the full thing i guarantee you yeah it's probably because like maybe like the world's ending or something and they're just like fuck it i don't need it anywhere or it's just an easy cash out just kidding i know it's about money <laughs> i just I just, I just thought it'd be funny to say it. Yeah, well, uh, well, it wasn't. <laughs> well, fuck. I just got JT again. It's all good. I say shit that I think is gonna be funny that gets no laughs. So it happens. Yeah. Sometimes, like maybe just like people don't get it. Like they just, they just don't yeah, get well, it. Well, my sense of humor is kind of weird. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> I can also have like a pretty dark sense of humor at times as well. Yeah, it's you know <laughs> that's just how life be. Yeah. It'd be like that sometimes. I think yeah, just my life experiences and things, you know, how I grew up, kind of, you know, inspired and, and kind of like transformed my my sense of humor, you know, in a way influenced it. I guess is a better word. You know, it just it gets sticky like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just it it just gets sticky. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. Yeah, so uh yeah, we uh we got the Black Keys interview upcoming very soon with Patrick Carney. Uh, we have so many upcoming interviews and just know this week I am going to be reaching out to so many different people. And I know that a lot of the interviews that I've done recently have been with, you know, if you notice a pattern you know, musicians or bands that were popular maybe in the 90s or early 2000s. And first of all, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, th- there's going to be a mix, like I, like I said before. It's not going to just be like musicians. I mean, there's going to be m- musicians that are even popping right now. Um, Wait, you know what it should be? What? I, you know what I think there should be? What? There should be some sports talks because, you know what I mean? Just 
fly, Eagles fly. I had to do it. Somebody dared me. Um, they're going to lose. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. No, they're not. Oh, my God. They're yes, totally going to lose. They're going to lose. No, don't say that. They're gonna, I, they're gonna, don't see, say that. Gonna I, you don't that. say that. You don't say that. And if you, you see, you don't say that. You don't say that. You, you, you didn't say it good. This, this is how you say it. I, hey, you don't say that. You know what? That actually sucked. And I say it I know, great. I, I was actually, just too excited. That actually did suck. I was saying it really did. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but uh, you could get you could get yiked in these streets. I don't know what yiked means. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like what? Like where? Who, I'm just saying where, jokes. Where, where are you from? Are you, where are you from Philly now? Yikes! I yo listen. I could I could fuck that John up quick. All right, you guys, okay. you guys need to stop right now. All right, <laughs> but if you just won't stop it, then I guess I'll just go. Uh, to two street <laughs> and I'll just get some heavy artillery and, and just make it happen mob style. Anyway. Okay. But anyway, anyway, yeah, sports thing. That was just a joke. I was just kidding. I just interrupted just to say that about the Eagles. Go Eagles. And also Lil Buck was good. All right, now I'm done. You good? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I told him about that. You feel better now? <laughs> now that I got that out of my system, Listen. I really appreciate that you letting uh, me get that out. Of course, I, I just want to make sure. Are, are you good, Maddie? Listen, <laughs> Listen real quick. I think I need. I think I need to do some of my DBT therapy or something. I'm a little. I'm a little obnoxious today. It might be because the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. They're going to be in it and they're going to win. And you're going to be no, quiet. You're not going to say that again. I, I, that. I knew I you were going to say I it. I told you that I'm in. You know that I'm intuitive. I don't. I even said. No. You, I said. I even said. To, I said to you on Facebook. I'm sorry to break the news. I'm because sorry it's, to it's, break it's, the it's news. Not, it's not, no, it's not like I'm like. It's something like, I'm like. I, it's. I. I, I want. Whoever, Are you I, mad I, 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 because no, that the Patriots want, aren't in there? No, I want who. Are you sure? I, I, of course, we dominated the fucking league for 20 years. I. I, I so why can't you let us have this? We are. Why? We, we, we the Patriots aren't aren't good anymore. I mean, like we, I understand we, that we had our run. We we literally were the best, you know, fr- team like you know franchise in the NFL for twenty years. Yes. I grew. I up, don't even I grew, like I grew, sports. I grew. You know how lucky I am that I grew up. At, you know, I'm in just Boston. so Philly. You know, it's good. It's crazy. And people, yeah, I don't even like people sports. That just shit on Boston sports. They're just fucking no. jealous. Listen to this. So even even if the Eagles win or lose tonight, it's not going to be safe to be around South Philly because people are going to destroy the city. Either like, way, either way, I'm going out there and I'm going to see what's good and I'm going to see how. Gonna li- it's, I listen. I don't know why the cops or or the town or the city think that greasing the poles is going to do anything. They need to stop it. We made churros out of you guys greasing the poles. Do you not realize that there was churro sales that were designed in the shape of a greased pool? Okay, pole. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. Right, get this phone away from me. Yo, you just, pulled a, you just pulled a Charlie Sheen. Who's that? I'm just kidding. Who's that? <laughs> Ow. You know what? I'm more than two and a half men. I'm a whole three men th- today. That was hard. Yeah. Damn, that's that the only thing that you know him from? 
Yes. You know, and you, also know, from, you know how much money he was making per episode? No, 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 no. He did this movie that I watched one time. He looked like a a dapper young gentleman in this yeah. movie. Was, was, he, and, was he wearing that, like a biker jacket? Yes. And Ferris, I fell Ferris, in love with Ferris him Bueller. then. Actually. Ferris Bueller. Yeah, that one. Bueller. Bueller. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm sorry. You were saying something about the interviews, and then I interrupted you on this tangent about oh, the Eagles. Yeah, but you good. got all these dope ass interviews coming up, yep. and you're about to tell us about them. Yep. We got interviews with you know not only musicians, but again with more comedians, more actors, entrepreneurs, authors, doctors, advocates, anyone that can share an inspiring story and be able to have an intellectual conversation with, you know, we're going to have on. So it's not going to just be interviews with musicians. That's just how it's playing out right now. And there's nothing wrong with that, at least in my eyes, you know. Um, maybe I'm a little biased because, you know, the interviews that I'm having, are it's not like I'm having with, you know, bands that I'm not a fan of. You know, so it makes it even cooler the fact that, you know, I grew up listening to these people, like as a kid, and now okay, I'm just talking, talking to them. You're you're just living out your childhood dream right now with all these interviews. This is just who you wanted to talk to since you were like a little boy. It's like every every band you well, get. I, your I, I haven't I haven't talked to Billy Joe Armstrong. Oh man, you're gonna be like you're gonna be like Dave Matthews band check. <laughs> like it's just gonna be all of them. You'll be like, no. finally, I made it. Oh snap! When I said that, we were at one, two, three, four, five on the clock. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, if, now if I can only manifest an interview with Halsey or Zoe Kravitz, if that, you don't stop, be, that, if you don't great. leave these girls alone, they're they're never gonna talk to you now. You, they're gonna they're some somebody like someday they're gonna be like. They're going to try to give you a chance, and then someone's going to be like, yo, look at his statuses from 2023, <laughs> and and she's going to be like, she's, are you crying? No. I think I thought you were. I thought no. you were crying. No, but I... <laughs> <laughs> Me, maybe a little in the inside. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just fucking around. No, no but seriously, though... They're no, not going to give you a the, chance the, if you no, don't the, stop the, talking about them like the, that. The, the, they will appreciate my, my, my dedication no, they're going to be like, okay, February 11th, 2023, he said he would want, what? Either one of us? <gasps> and then that's what's going to happen. They're just going to get together, and they're going to come find you, and they're just going to both, wait, okay. that could actually yeah, work like, out in what? your favor. Yeah, like, Hold on a second. Like, what? <laughs> you, yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, this sounds like a good plan. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> All right, what else? Wait, what kind of talk show is this now? God damn it. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, oh, man. Sometimes on this podcast, I have to mute myself because I'd be laughing too loud. And I'm like, nah, they don't need to hear all that. This shit's just a good time sometimes. Definitely. It's always a good time. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. We're going to actually also on this episode, we're going to include... The exclusive interview that I just did with founding drummer of Maroon 5, Ryan Dusek, um, who also just recently put out his new memoir, Harder to Breathe. 
So definitely enjoy that interview. I hope you guys like it. Um, yeah, it's a really great interview. And, you know, it, it goes to show you, you know, that, I mean, even you should know this, but like even people that are famous and successful go through mental health issues and suffer from anxiety and, and depression and have breakdowns. And um, the fact that he's being vulnerable and sharing his story um, and he's also now a therapist coach is also really cool. Um, so definitely go check out his memoir, Harder to Breathe. Um, and it's a great interview. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. I believe it's about like 40 minutes or something like that. Um, if you are a business owner, a brand or a company and you're interested in advertising on this podcast, then send me an email at on air with JT at gmail.com. That's on air with JT at gmail.com. You can watch this. I can't even talk. You can watch the show on YouTube. Just type in on air with JT. You can listen to the show on all major streaming platforms such as Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can follow me on Instagram at Justin Thomas Insta. Everything that I mentioned is right over at onairwithjt.com. Maddie and David, where can people follow you? You can follow me at uh, Madeline Haley Marquez on Facebook, Madeline with two N's underscore Haley on Instagram, and Lazy Eye 16 on TikTok and YouTube. And for David, you can follow him at uh, on Instagram, Nismo Chin uh, underscore 23. That's N I S M O C H I N underscore 23. And Facebook, David Chen. All right. Definitely go give both of them a follow. Uh, thank you, everyone that has been showing love and that watched or listened to this episode. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. And have a great day, motherfucking JT. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening or watching a brand new episode of On Air with JT. And of course, as you know, my name is Justin Thomas, but you can call me JT. And again, thank you so much for all of your support. I really, really do appreciate it. You can listen to this show exclusively on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just head over to onairwithjt.com and all of my links and platforms are there. You can also watch the full episodes and clips behind the scenes exclusive content at my youtube channel just type in on air with jt just head over to on air with jt.com and everything is right there and of course if you are a business owner a brand a company and you're interested in advertising on this podcast my social media platforms and my new podcasts that are launching this year then send me an email course serious inquiries only you can email me at on air with jt at gmail.com enjoy the show yes sir you are listening to on air with jt 
If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product, and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. Caution, you are listening to On Air with JT, a fully uncensored, raw, and unfiltered show. JT doesn't give a fuck. You are listening to On Air with JT. Pop culture, news, rants, interviews, serious discussions that the mainstream media won't talk about, and so much more. This is On Air with JT. You are listening to On Air with JT. This is a JT exclusive interview. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to On Air with JT. And I have a very exclusive interview with a very talented individual, Ryan Dusek, founding drummer of Maroon 5. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's my day off, so I get to relax. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't mean to make you work on your day off. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh, man. So, man, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this interview. Like, I really appreciate it, you know. Uh, you know, I just grew up listening to Maroon 5 and, you know, I've always been a music nerd. So, you know, I've always appreciated like every band member of every, you know, band that I like. So it's very surreal to be able to have a conversation with you. And, uh, you know, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And it's, you know, always surreal to hear somebody say something like that, because obviously we were just kids in a band ourselves talking about the bands we loved, you know, and so to have uh, people give us that feedback, it's always pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, and kind of ironic because Cars Flowers was founded, what, in 94? That was the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you're making me feel old. <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, obviously I grew up listening to Move 5, you know, and just like songs about jane i mean it's just my personal belief you know i feel like it's borderline like a masterpiece of an album from you know front <laughs> to end i mean like really it, I, I know like you you know you were part of it saying you know musicians and artists and creators are you know their biggest critiques but from my perspective you know it's a great album it's not just like all of you know the, the radio smash hits and all that but like there are so many great songs that are so underrated in my opinion yeah well you know we, it's interesting we we definitely wanted to make a record that you know transcended the time in terms of yeah we wanted to have hits but we wanted to do something that was um you know a, a generational album <laughs> like the ones that we grew up loving like michael jackson thriller or prince's purple rain or stuff like that and, and uh, obviously that was a pretty audacious idea to try to aspire to that but that's kind of where our head was at and when we were in the middle of making it we were sure that we had failed <laughs> we, we thought we were really blowing it that we we had the potential and we were not really fulfilling it and a lot of, I think pretty much everyone in the band can attest to the fact that for years we couldn't even really listen to the record because we were so inside of it. You know, when you're making your, when you're working on your art and you get 
so inside of it that all you're hearing is the little details and the things you wish you could have done differently. Yeah. Uh, you lose objectivity, you know, <laughs> but then, you know, 10 years in when the record had really been something that, that uh, stood the test of time, I think I can't speak for the other guys, but for me, I, I go back and I listen to it now and now I can, now I get it. Now I see that <laughs> we were, we were inside of it and it, it worked. <laughs> definitely, it definitely worked. Uh, just to take you back a little bit, you know, so you, and Adam and everybody, like, well, you guys kind of grew up together, right? Yeah, well, Adam was, a, like, a family friend of of mine. Um, his parents were friends with uh, friends of my parents, so it was kind of like a, we saw each other at events every now and then. We weren't close or anything as kids, but uh, he was a couple grades below me or a year and a half younger than me, so he kind of was just like an annoying little brother to me at the time. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because he was kind of rambunctious and hyperactive, and I, I was when you're like ten years old and there's a kid that's eight that's hyperactive, you're just kind of like annoyed, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but then uh, a few years later, you know, we started playing music and we we played together a bit. But it wasn't until high school when I was sixteen um, that we started the band together, and uh, we became really close friends at that time. Um, you know, because I didn't realize it that we had really the same taste of music and that we were both really into a lot of the same stuff. And so at that time in our lives, when we were in high school, it was like, it was the, you know, the nineties and it was the grunge era and we were into Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana and all that. So we were really just kind of, uh, we really bonded at that point and became really close friends. And he was friends with Jesse and Mickey already at that point. Uh, okay. Wow. That, that's, that's crazy. What are the odds, you know, so many talented, you know, musicians just, growing up together, knowing each other, and then founding a band, you know, it happens, but, you know, it's very rare to, you know, then get that extreme success. So you guys started in 94 with Cars Flowers, and when when did you guys go on that little hiatus um, in the late 90s? It was like, it was like well, a six-month, like a year hiatus you guys went on? It was, it was really only about six months, I think, or a semester. Um, it, we, you know, we, we got signed to our first record deal uh, around 96 oh, and okay. put out an album in 97 on um, Reprise, Warner Brothers. Um, and at that time, we thought, OK, we're just going to go off and become rock stars. And it didn't really work out that way, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, if you look at it in the long run. Yeah. Um, but at the time, obviously, we were disappointed and came home a little dejected and not knowing how we were going to move forward. Um, I decided to re-enroll in college at UCLA here in Los Angeles and, um, and Mickey did as well. And Adam and Jesse, the, you know, our, our taste in, in music was kind of splintering off at that point And we didn't know what kind of band we were going to be, if we were going to continue to be a band. Um, and so we had the biggest sort of rift that ever happened uh, that d during the time I was in the band that, um, we didn't we just weren't on the same page and adam and jesse decided to go off to new york for about whatever it was i guess a semester um they went to a, a music college out on long island and um and so during that time we were it was the longest time we were separate and not playing together but they were writing out there and they would send us songs they had written and uh we were still communicating a little bit but when they came back we had to have a big sort of heart to heart and see where we're, where we were and if we could continue to make music together and weirdly enough we kind of 
just landed back on the same page together without even really trying. We were all getting into a lot of the same music, which was very different from what we had been playing before. So it was pretty, I don't know, it was, I guess, the planets aligning in a, in a certain way. We found this renaissance in our in our whole creative relationship at that point. Wow. Okay. So that was around what, 2001 roughly? Uh, well, they were gone in 98. And then when they came back and we started writing, uh, some of the new stuff it was probably around 99. Uh, and 2000, I think was when we wrote a lot of the songs that would end up on songs about Jane um and then we recorded songs about jane towards the end of 2001 i think okay wow so and when, when you guys started writing the most of the songs that were on songs about jane were you guys currently signed with the label at the moment at the time or <laughs> no <laughs> wow. that's what's amazing is that we we had this big record deal with warner brothers and we basically got dropped after that album tanked and we were we went back to the drawing board completely i mean we we what either we fired or or got dropped by our label our attorney our manager our agent everything like we had no representation whatsoever it was back to like me booking us gigs uh, at clubs and passing out flyers on campus and you know really just starting over and um and then when we started writing some of the songs like sunday morning and not coming home uh and through with you then it was clear that we were on to something around 2000 and um and so jordy jordan feldstein who was a family friend of adams and he was working as an agent a junior agent at i think caa at the time um he was a guy that i knew as well i played soccer with him as a kid and he just really saw something in those new songs and was like i want to take you on and manage you and I want to f- somehow pull together funds to to make a demo, a proper demo of these songs. And he really hustled and got it done. And we got some investment from a couple people. And we went into a nice studio and pulled some favors and made this demo called the Conway Five, which was those three songs and and Secret and another song called Ragdoll that didn't make the album. But um, those five songs really were the sort of turning point that that. New, new labels started getting interested again yeah. for the for the first time in like five years and wow. but even then you know we played for like we showcased for every label in the industry we were going to new york and playing for the new york labels and and doing showcases in la and everyone was passing on us so I have, believe I, it or not and that's crazy so i i have to ask you ryan like because obviously you know as, as a musician a creator an artist like you know especially if you have something good, you know, you, you know, or decent, you know, you, you know, you have something special, whether the world sees it at that time, at that moment or not, you know, you, you sometimes, you, you know, you make stuff and you know, it's something special. And, you know, as a musician and part of, you know, Maroon 5 and getting, you know, passed on and everything during this time, was there any like, like looking back, was there like any like self doubt or is it more just like frustration at like the industry on how it's kind of just designed and programmed? I think at that point we were feeling really confident despite the disappointment every time a label would, would pass because, um, you know, we had been through the mill already. We had already had that whole thing of, of the, the industry being excited and telling you you're going to be stars and then that not coming to fruition and realizing even that is not a sure thing. Like when somebody is blowing smoke up your ass, like 
you know, it's it doesn't mean it's going to work out that way necessarily. They might have their own interests involved. So we, we really were ready to hustle and do it a different way. And if it meant making an indie record and promoting it and figuring out how we were going to get our foot in the door, we were prepared to do that. And I think what we really thought was that we had a really unique sound now for the first time. We had something that was kind of special and different. Um, and the, the the feedback we were getting, we saw as just really short-sighted because a lot of the, the A&R guys were saying, well, you guys are, are a good band. You have a good chemistry. You know, you have um, a lot going for you in terms of talent. Uh, however, your style is kind of nonspecific at this point. It's kind of in between radio formats. And so they just couldn't really figure out like what genre or format they would promote us at. And, you know, it shows you how short-sighted people could be, you know, yeah, it's like exactly. we, we saw that as an advantage. We thought, well, yeah, if we were just a generic pop or rock or R&B band or whatever format you imagine, like we could have a hit. But is that do you do you have staying power if you're if you're that formulaic? Mm-hmm. So we saw you know the fact that we were eclectic and unique as an advantage in the long run. It was just going to take somebody to have the vision to be able to figure out how to promote that. Exactly, that definitely makes sense. But once like songs about Jane came out, you know, was released and it's you know started charting. Like, what was I mean? Like, was there? I'm sure you were a little shocked. I mean, like. You know, was there a defining, like a real, I'm sure there were many, several defining moments in early, especially early on in, you know, Maroon 5, you know, in terms of like success, but like, was there one defining moment that comes to mind was like, oh, sh- like, oh shit, like, damn, like we, we're, we got something like we're, we're, we're doing it. This, this is becoming a reality. Like this is, this is, you know, coming to fruition, like. Yeah, you know, there were definitely a few moments that stand out uh, as big, like, wow moments for us. Uh, We really worked hard. You know, we were on the road for two years uh, before the album really took off in 2002 and three, touring all over the States and and Europe. And and so it it was a gradual thing. You know, we were opening for more established artists and kind of going from clubs to theaters and and up and up and the first time that we opened for someone in an arena sized room uh was opening for john mayer i think it towards towards the end of 2002 um maybe it was the start of 2003 oh no it was it was around uh thanksgiving 2002 yeah um it was at temple university in philadelphia um their their basketball arena there and um we had never played a room that big and and when we went on stage it was a little half empty you know it was was a little quiet everyone was kind of milling around obviously nobody knew who we were but john was was nice enough to go out and he brought the lights down and made it very dramatic he kind of waited for the room to fill up a bit more and then he went out there and introduced us and so the whole audience was kind of like primed uh to pay attention to us i think but even then we had never played a venue that size before and when you walk out on stage it's just like it's you can't really see the audience because there's these big lights on you and it's just kind of a big empty black void out there mm-hmm. and and when if you don't have, we didn't have in-ear monitors at that point and so the the sound is just kind of a distant rumble you know going off the back wall and you have a tiny little monitor on stage to hear yourself but 
uh, we were playing and it was a little cold and stiff. And then, and then we got to the breakdown part of the set. We were playing Sunday morning and I was just kind of looping the beat. And, uh, Adam asked the, the lighting guy to pull the house lights up and he pulls the lights up and we see a packed arena and they go crazy. And we just see like, I remember looking up at the back of the arena, people just standing up against the back wall and they look like little ants waving their hands above their heads. And they were, I mean, they were really into it. And obviously we had made an impression on them in just like four or five songs. And, um, and it, it, that was a moment I just kind of was laughing to myself. It just felt really surreal. Like, okay, we're, I don't know if we're there yet, but this is clearly something's happening. Yeah, that must have been an amazing feeling. It was. It's one of those moments like, okay, this is what you dream of, and here it is. And, and most people that dream of doing this don't ever get the chance to do something like this. So, exactly. um, yeah, it felt, it felt special. Definitely. Um, and like, and we, I just want to say one thing before I move on to the next topic, you know, we were talking on Instagram and I, you know, just mentioned how I, I love must get out. Like I just feel it's one of my favorite songs. Like I probably listen to it at least I'm not even exaggerating, you know, 10, 15 times a week. Um, and it, it's just, and just the, the drums on it. And then we're, t- you were talking about the shaker and it's just like, it's so cool. Like, like, I don't and I, if you could just, you know, briefly just kind of, explain how like you know why you think that song is like good as well because i just feel like it's just such an underrated song on that album just because there were so many hits you know well you know radio hits and and, and things like that uh on the album i feel like it just kind of took away you know attention to you know the other songs that were on the album to a certain extent sure and that's great to hear you know uh i think must get out probably more than any other track is the one that that gets mentioned the least. I think people kind of, I don't know, in my, from my perspective, I, the way that I hear people talk about the record, it's, it sounds like that track was the one that had the least impact. Um, and thinking about how that song came about and how it ended up on the record and recording it and stuff, I, it's not surprising to me. Uh, but there was a point at which, I think Adam and maybe the record label thought it was even potentially a single. Um, I remember because it was like we had written, I think the core of the album was all the songs that were in the vein of like um, not coming home through with you tangled shiver, um, kind of the more uh, sexy, darker bluesy kind of songs. Um, and that was kind of the sound we were going for. And then we thought Sunday morning was kind of maybe the crossover pop song. Um, so we, we were sure that we were ready to go into the studio and make an album, but the record label was doing what record labels do and saying, we want to, we want to hear more singles. Mm. Um, so we, we just kept writing and writing and, and uh, Adam, I think at a certain point made a discernible effort to try to write stuff that sounded like, you know, pop radio songs uh, she will be loved. Was definitely one of those songs, um, and and must get out was another one of those songs. Which I remember him playing the demo, and thinking to myself, okay, that's another one that maybe is in that vein. Could be, but it wasn't that exciting to me at first. Um, I thought it was it was a decent song, but I, I didn't really think it was a hit. Uh, but Adam was really high on it, and the record label was high on it. Um, and then it was one of those songs that we he made a demo of, and we had a collection of demos of songs we were going to try to 
consider for the album, but we hadn't even like incorporated it into our set. I don't think we'd even played it in a in a band rehearsal or anything. It was just a demo that he made on a on a computer with a, with Sam Farrar, uh, who was his kind of recording partner. And so we went into the studio to to and in pre production we picked the songs that we were going to record, and that was one of them. And I really think the first time I ever played it on the drums was in the studio when we were recording it. So I was kind of just making it up as I was going along. Um, and that was one of a few songs that we tried kind of more of a, a looping kind of effect, kind of really building it from the ground up of playing a beat mm-hmm. and trying to get it really consistent and just have it kind of just layer on top of it. And so it was, it was an attempt to have a very... Um, almost hip hop consistent sounding drum track. And I did my best to build that with, you know, my drum performance and then doing some, some percussion and one of the shakers that I threw on there ended up being, I think a big part of kind of the, the groove, the swing of it. Um, and, but then, you know, it was one of those things where we were listening to it back and we're like, all right, it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we need another song on the album that sounds kind of like she will be loved. And then, kind of got forgotten about it it was never really a song that people really paid that much attention to but it's nice to hear that it had that impact on you yeah i I love the song um but yeah ryan so you know obviously everything just kind of took off you know um i'm sure it was kind of overwhelming you know just with just how everything kind of just happened you know i know it wasn't an overnight success you know you know people think you know everything's an overnight success, but they don't realize that there were, you know, hundreds or thousands of overnight failure failures to get to that quote unquote overnight success. But once you hit that and, you know, everything started blowing up and you started touring and, you know, just everything just, you know, in terms of money and then just fame and, and all of that, you know, I'm sure it was also overwhelming to a certain extent. Yeah, well, it it was definitely overwhelming, and particularly for me because, you know, as the drummer, I, uh, you know, in some ways I had never really learned some of the fundamentals and, and how to play without injuring myself, mm. um, how to have the endurance to keep up that kind of pace and playing every day that much. Um, and I, I just, some of, I think just my constitution was not really built for that lifestyle I'm not a good sleeper when we started traveling overseas and jet lag was an issue for me. And, um, and just also, I'm, I think I was just a little more tightly wound, mm-hmm. uh, maybe than some of the other guys. And, um, I, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform and kind of a perfectionist by nature. And, um, I didn't realize that anxiety was an issue for me cause I didn't really relate to it as that, but, but looking back now, I realized that um, there was a lot of internal pressure that was now meeting up with external pressure, you know, of just constantly be traveling and, you know, constantly having demands on, on our time and energy. And, and it's just, it's just never ending when you, when you are trying to have a hit, um, you're doing everything you can, you know, saying yes to everything and doing one tour after another. And there, it's not just the shows, it's the, the in-store performances and the acoustic, you know, radio performances and the meet and greets and the photo shoots yeah. and the everything that goes into building, um, you know, a, a campaign f- to promote an album. And then two years in, you all of a sudden have a hit on your hands and it's taking off. And then it gets even more intense because now you're like international and, mm-hmm. 
and the demands are even greater and you're flying all over the place. I remember at one point uh, we, we had just, I think, uh, finished doing some show in New York, some TV show or something, and we were supposed to come back to L.A. and have a week off, and we flew back to L.A., and we literally had just gotten off the plane. We were waiting for our bags um, at, at baggage claim at LAX. And our manager calls us and says, uh, we just got offered the Letterman show in New York tomorrow night. So you guys got to get back on a plane and head back to New York <laughs> right now. <laughs> so wow. we literally didn't leave the airport. We flew from New York back to L.A., and just turned around and gone on another flight back to New York. And then it just, that was what our life was like at that point. And it was, it, it was fun and exciting for a while. And then at a certain point, it really started to take its toll on me. In, in, in what way? Like w w just with anxiety or just, it was just, just so much. It was just, you weren't able to really kind of like focus like and and be able to put like, give it your all or did it get to like that kind of point or? Well, it was a combination of things. Uh, the way that it really manifested that affected me at the time was physically. Uh, I had an old injury in my shoulder, kind of chronic tendonitis in my shoulder from pitching in high school. Okay. It, and that started to hurt, and it was getting harder for me to get through the sets, and, and I was having to kind of contort myself and change my already flawed mechanics to try to figure out a way to play through the pain. And, um, but you know, at the time it seemed like my body was breaking down physically in retrospect, I can see that there was definitely this, the psychological element to it, which was, um, you know, definitely the, the self doubt and the, um, and the, the amount of pressure I was putting on myself and, and, you know, anxiety in the sense of like this impending sense of doom, like this is all going to keep getting worse and I'm, I'm going to go down and I'm not going to be able to handle this and, and it was, um, like I said, it just, it was my whole constitution really that kind of broke down to the point where I was feeling really defeated and, and not believing that I could, I could keep going on. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was not something that happened one day or overnight. It's, it was something that happened over time and it wasn't just one joint or one, one function. It was kind of a whole mind, body, spirit breakdown that happened. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Uh, like, I, I just want to tell you, you know, I, I suffer from anxiety as well, like crippling anxiety. Um, and I've, I've experienced it, you know, I've had it for over 15 years of my life. So I, I know what it's like, and it's not an easy thing to, to deal with. Um, but I can only imagine, Ryan, you know, and you said, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself, and I'm the same way as, as well. Did you, like, how, it must have been, you must have felt so much pressure just because of how successful Songs About Jane was for that next album, for those next, you know, hits, because the world has already, you know, seen, you, you know, the, you guys, they, they know the music, they know you guys are talented, you, they know that you guys come out with great music. There must, there must have been a just, a, just so much pressure on top of just being already, you know, the kind of person that puts a lot of pressure on themselves. Um, it must have been a lot. Yeah, it was definitely the intersection of the of the internal pressure I put on myself and and the external of all these things that were both you know really rewarding and fulfilling uh, in terms of achieving our dreams, but then also you know the expectations that come with that and and what are we going to do with that? And we knew that the follow up would have to be great, and and I was excited about that. I, that was what I was looking forward to. It was the touring that was really 
beating me down. I, I had always enjoyed the creative process uh, more than anything. You know, making the songs and coming up with the arrangements and recording them like that was always really fun and and inspiring to me. But the the slog of you know playing night after night and traveling day after day, um, and I also I mean the other there, there's so many different factors. But another element for me is that I'm I'm kind of a I, by nature an introvert, um, and and by that I, I don't mean I, I'm. I don't mean I'm not so uh, social. I, I do enjoy being around people and, and having fun with, with my peers, but, but, but within limits, you know, there's a point at which I get exhausted being around people all the time and I need my own space and I need, you know, to, to kind of recuperate and do my own thing. I, I do a lot of solitary things when I'm home and you, you just don't have any, any of that really when you're on the road, you're just kind of in a submarine with a, seeing the same people, day after day hour after hour and yeah. and again i i could kind of like sign up for that and try to have fun with it for a certain amount of time but then it starts to take its toll on you and i just felt like um i wasn't recharging my batteries ever you know it was just i was on empty all the time <laughs> yeah. well i'm sure it takes a huge toll you know it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot of lot of pressure a lot of work you know it's not, it's not easy. People, you know, pe people, you know, that are fans or just not in the music industry, they, they really don't know how much work that goes on behind the scenes and, and, you know, just everything. I mean, obviously, like you said, there's so many f different factors, but, um, so essentially you left the band in around 2006. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. When we were just, uh, starting to work on the next album. Okay. Um, so, what what did you what did you do when when you left right away like what were what, where were you in terms of like your your mindset and, and like what was going on well it was devastating you know i mean le leaving the band at that point uh was heartbreaking you know it was like everything that i'd been um working for working toward for over a decade with my best friends, you know, I mean, we were, we were buddies and it was, it was something we had started together and we'd taken it to the top together. And, um, I felt like I wasn't just losing this career. Um, I was losing my whole identity really, you know, it was everything, all of my self definition had been wrapped up in, uh, the music that we were creating, the, the sort of brotherhood between the four and then five of us, um, and and just sort of my whole social world uh, revolved around the band, and so it was it was a big loss that I look back on now as I, I kind of had to go through a grieving process as you do with any major loss in your life. Um, and I, I tried to carry on. My, my mindset was that I was going to try to be a producer, and songwriter, and, and continue to work in music. Uh, and I did to a certain extent, but it was difficult because obviously I had had this magical experience that most people don't ever get to experience. Um, and then it was gone. And so like I was comparing everything to that experience and then also looking at them still out there, you know, having new hits and, and touring the world and, and on the radio and, and uh, TV all the time. So it was it was difficult for me to look at anything that I was doing and, and feel good about it in comparison to that. Um, so it was a tough time for me and I, I fell into a, a depression of sorts. Um, I was definitely drinking too much, self-medicating and, um, 
and and then trying to figure out what was going on with me and going to therapists and psychiatrists and stuff and my anxiety was getting worse and worse it was actually worse in that time than it had been before um and what i didn't realize at the time or or just was in denial about was that the drinking and the ways that i was self-medicating was actually making it worse mm. uh when i finally quit all of that um a lot of a lot of the anxiety and stuff uh got better on its own um just by you know stopping the the pattern of of, of escape that i was doing mm. um with the self-medicating so um yeah it was a it was a tough time for me and but i learned a lot from it i take a lot from it and it really led to another phase of my life that has been really rewarding and fulfilling in the last uh almost seven years now um where i i kind of turned a page and started a whole new uh chapter um literally in my life where i'm now a therapist i wrote this book harder to breathe as well which is a memoir about my whole journey and it's you know it tells all these stories about the band um and at the beginning of the band and everything we did on the rise up to the point where i left but it, but the larger arc of the story is about me and my mental health and and the the stuff that i can now look back on and and recognize as factors in what happened for me mm. beyond just the physical um, and kind of put the pieces together to to see um, what went wrong, how it all ended up the way it did, how I struggled through the things I did, and then how I was able to overcome a lot of that and find um, a place of purpose and meaning and fulfillment in my life again. I really, I really respect that, Ryan, because I, I just want to say for myself, you know, um, I personally have, you know, around... I, Technically, I have eight mental health disorders, and I've had a very, you know, rough life. And, you know, A, it's inspiring to see someone, you know, like you, who I grew up listening to, was a fan of, that also has suffered similar, you know, you know, whether it's anxiety or depression, you know, it, you know, it's, you know, it also shows for people that are listening that it's not, you know, th this happens to successful people and famous people, too. It's not, you know, it's not just, you know. An, you know, an average Joe, you know, type of thing. And the fact that, you know, you are, you know, you're taking your time out to be a therapist coach and to be able to inspire others and share your story to help, you know, others, you know, is a great thing because, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I shared my mental health story like on YouTube and, you know, I, I, I just try and, you know, I've gotten a lot of compliments of just about I've inspired them and I've saved a few people's lives. And, you know, because I've tried to commit suicide a few times. So I'm very open about that. And I talk about mental health awareness a lot on my podcast. So that's one of the reasons why also why I wanted to get you on because of your new memoir, you know, Harder to Breathe, and you do talk about mental health awareness so much. So I just want to say thank you so much, Ryan, for, you know, speaking out and be, being able to use your, you know, platform and being courageous and, and brave to, you know, share your story. Well, thank you so much, man, for saying that. You know, I, I I'm so appreciative of um, you know the fact that you have have used your struggles as a way to help people and a, a way to reach people. And and I think that telling our stories is so important. Um, you know, the people that are able to find a way um, to, through to the other side and find hope in recovery, you know, that's, that's really, um, a blessing that, that when you pay it forward, it, it benefits yourself, you know, in being able to be of service to others, but obviously benefits so many others in being able to, 
see themselves in in not only uh, you know the struggle, but in the solutions that you might have found. So um, I'm you know that's exactly what I'm trying to do as well. It's really just been a natural progression for me um, from early recovery, where I was really just focusing on staying sober, dealing with the the, the severe anxiety that I was dealing with, you know. F- you know, moving on from that chapter in my life that was so painful and, and depressing and, and grieving that loss, mourning that loss, um, you know, just really focusing on that in early recovery moved me into this place of service pretty quickly where um, the thing that was most powerful for me was to share my story and to feel that I had something to offer from what I had lost. You know, I had gained something that was helpful to other people. Mm. And so that led me just to volunteer at first at a recovery center where people that were just starting to to try to get clean, uh, you know, I would I was just peer support and I would lead groups and I would tell my story and, and talk to people and listen to them and give them some, you know, feedback on where they're at and some of the things that I'd learned and realizing how fulfilling that was and that in the process also just that I had some talents and skills that I had acquired in the process of everything I had gone through, which just felt really amazing and boosted my, my self-confidence for the first time in a long time. Cause it was like, I actually have something to offer the world that's not connected to, you know, playing the drums in Maroon five. And so, you know, it was just a natural thing for me to follow that, that purpose. impulse to want to do that more. Yeah. Cause it was kind of like, it's like your new purpose. You know, I don't want to. Speak for, I don't want to speak for yourself, but like you know, you know, to me at least, from my from an outsider perspective, you know, you, you know, I, I feel like you know we all have different purposes and and we all go through different journeys and paths and you know, and I honestly feel like you know some of us experience have to experience certain situations, you know, to be able to share your story and help others so they don't have to go through it necessarily. Or if they did go through it or are going through it, they can, you know, resonate and relate and, and not feel alone. And I think that's, you know, something, you know, sort of special in terms of being able to share your story. Yeah. And purpose is definitely the the, the perfect word, you know, to describe the feeling of I have actually even have a chapter in my book called connection and purpose. And it's really about that phase in my life where I realized that in, in my struggles, I had been very isolated, disconnected from life and living, uh, and, and just feeling very alone and without a lot of, uh, meaning or purpose. And so just the very act of connecting to the world again, connecting to people in a meaningful way, um, and, and creating a life in which, um, I, I create meaning and create purpose for myself by doing the things that I'm doing to share my story and to talk to people that, that in and of itself was what I would call, you know, the sort of spiritual awakening that I had because it's very connecting. It's very uplifting. And so I just kind of followed that feeling, that feeling of purpose in everything that I was doing, followed it back to school to get a master's degree in clinical psychology. And that became my new passion and, okay, and becoming a therapist. That's, that's awesome. I didn't even know that you, you got a degree in, in that. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it was like I never imagined that I would I would do that. You know, in 20 years after I got my bachelor's degree, I went back and got a master's degree and 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 working with people one on one and in groups and with families and um. And now speaking, you know, um, online and in person and telling my story and stuff, it's just one thing after another that just feels like the next indicated action for myself, for my own journey and my own recovery 
and where I'm at in my life, but it's, it's got that added element of, of altruism, which is just not only helpful to others, but really just rewarding and makes me feel like, um, I may have lost some things that were very rewarding in the past, but in some ways I've, I've traded them for something that may be even more uh, impactful. Definitely. And I'm sure you'd rather, you know, much prefer, you know, being, you know, some sort of, you know, in some way, you know, your sanity, you know, over, over money. And, you know, because, you know, everyone, you know, that, that doesn't achieve that or get to that kind of level, you know, thinks, you know, money, you know, buys you happiness and make, makes, you know, changes everything but you know it, it does to maybe a certain extent but you know there are also so many things you know bad elements that come with it as well um so, so ryan what so right now you're a therapist coach obviously people can you know buy your new memoir harder to breathe um where can people check out your content online and follow you and stay up to date with you know every recent projects and you know upcoming projects that you have yeah, well, I have a website, RyanDusick.com, which is kind of uh, the, the starting point for everything that I'm doing between being an author and, and speaker and uh, events that I'm doing. And then um, as, a, as a therapist and coach, um, you know, my contact is on there. But uh, I, in terms of social media and keeping up with the things that I'm doing day to day, Instagram is probably the, the main spot um, at uh, Ryan Michael Dusick or at Ryan underscore Michael underscore do okay. um, that's kind of, it's a, I, you know, I try to have fun with it. it. I definitely do mental health stuff on there and talk about, about the, the things that I'm working on. And, but it's also, I, I throw in a lot of videos and photos of, uh, you know, old stuff of the band and uh, musical stuff. So it's, it's kind of, it's for fans of the band and for people that want to see what i'm doing now and it's it's just kind of a good mishmash of everything that is me both past and present okay definitely yeah you have to go give ryan a follow ryan i just have one last question and it's a personal question so for me personally you know I'm, i just turned 29 and i'm really starting to you know pursue a career in acting and I, and I, mm -hmm. and I move out to LA soon. And obviously, like I told you, I have anxiety and, you know, you suffer from anxiety as well. And, um, you're introverted to a certain extent. I am as well. And it's kind of hypocritical, you know, to be like introverted, but then also want to pursue a career in like, you know, the entertainment industry. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was just wondering if you had any advice on, you know, just in, in terms of that journey, you know, just because just reflecting back on, on your own life, at least. Yeah. You know, I, I was definitely similar in that regard because, uh, I was, I was shy as a kid and introverted by nature. And you would have thought it would be out of character for me to get up on stage and bash on the drums in right. front of a lot of people. Right. Yeah. But it, it, in some ways it kind of makes perfect sense. It was like, if I, if I'm feeling meek and withdrawn in some ways, then that, that was a compensation. It was a way to kind of like make a lot of noise and everyone has to pay attention. Right. Mm. So it served that function for me early on. I mean, obviously I think I probably, if I knew then what I know now, I, I could have taken care of better care of myself going through everything that we did. Um, right, right, exactly. But I think that the, you know, look, self-care is, is priority number one. There's no shortcuts. You know, I, the way that I look at it is like, um, there's, there's certain things that we need and that we require. And it's not just, you know, the, the sleep and, and nutrition, like our mind, body, and spirit are all, um, requiring of nourishment, you know, Definitely. and, 
if we're taking care of all of those elements and really making sure that we're okay, first and foremost, before anything else, um, we're going to be a lot better at the things that we do. And we're going to be able to come to the things we do as, you know, giving from a place of plenty as opposed as, as opposed to a place of um, being drained. So the best, you know, advice as a starting point is, is just making sure that the self-care is, is the number one priority, but also just in terms of the anxiety, I would say, you know, for the longest time, my way of dealing with anxiety was to avoid the things that made me anxious. Mm. And, and I, I've learned that the only way through it is through it. And as uncomfortable as it is, um, when you just face something that makes you anxious, it becomes much less anxiety inducing pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and, you know, this isn't true for everyone. I mean, some people have different experiences, but um, for me, I found pretty early on that once I could tolerate something that made me anxious, mm-hmm. once I could step into a space that I had been avoiding and I realized that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, mm-hmm. or it, maybe it was bad. Maybe I, I, I really had a, a, a bad anxiety attack, but I got through it. I lived and I did the thing that I, and the next time it wasn't quite as bad. When I realized that that was the case, I somewhere along the line in, in early recovery started walking towards the things that made me anxious. Okay. I started wanting to step into that space because it, I realized that it was a challenge that was going to be fulfilling and empowering as opposed to in the past when I tried to run away from it, either literally just avoiding things or trying to escape it with alcohol or a pill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that really just actually makes it worse because now you're telling your, your, your mind and your body, you're not capable of tolerating this and you need to escape it in some way or you need to numb it out in some way. And the reality is you are capable of tolerating it. Mm-hmm. And so the sooner that you can kind of recondition yourself to realize that and also realize the other thing that's been really helpful is that anxiety is something that serves a, a, an evolutionary purpose. We all have it for a reason, right? Exactly. And it, it can't, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It can be a benefit. I see it now more as nature's performance enhancer. You know, <laughs> it's like if you're, if you're going to be, if you're going to try to get into the hitter's box and hit a 95 mile an hour fastball in, in, the, in the majors, mm-hmm. you better have those butterflies. You better have those nerves because they're, they're going to make you able to, to react faster. Right. Exactly. And, and same for me, you know, now doing some of the things that used to make me anxious, getting on stage in front of people and talking for a half an hour, like I better have those butterflies and I better be awake in that way. Cause I'm going to give the best performance when I feel alive you know? Um, and so it, it has that benefit. If you start to see it as that and can harness it as that, as opposed to something that is like, I can't tolerate this. It's only going to be bad. It's only going to be panic. Hmm. Um, then you start to realize how, um, uh, your relationship to the anxiety is more important than the anxiety itself. Wow. That that's really good advice. Thank you so much, Ryan. I r- really appreciate that. That, that that's really helpful. I'm not I'm not even lying. That I'll definitely take a lot of insight from that. Um, Ryan, um, you, obviously your memoir "Harder to Breathe" is now out. People can go check that out. Um, Ryan, I wish you obviously so much success and happiness this year. And again, like thank you for coming on the show. And you know, one more time, you know, thank you so much for having the courage and 
sharing your story and, and helping others because I think that's a beautiful thing. And I feel like the world, we need more people like that in this world to make the world a better place. And, um, you know, you inspire me and, you know, thank you. And I really appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you so much, man. This was a really great opportunity to speak with you and, uh, and it was a pleasure. Yeah, likewise, Ryan. Thank you so much and have a great day. What's you up, too. everybody? Thank you so much for listening or watching a brand new episode of On Air with JT. And of course, as you know, my name is Justin Thomas, but you can call me JT. And again, thank you so much for all of your support. I really, really do appreciate it. You can listen to this show exclusively on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just head over to onairwithjt.com and all of my links and platforms are there. You can also watch the full episodes and clips, behind the scenes, exclusive content at my YouTube channel. Just type in onairwithjt. Just head over to onairwithjt.com and everything is right there. And of course, if you are a business owner, a brand, a company, and you're interested in advertising on this podcast, my social media platforms, and my new podcasts that are launching this year, then send me an email. Of course, serious inquiries only. You can email me at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, sir. You are listening to On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. Caution, you are listening to On Air with JT, a fully uncensored, raw, and unfiltered show. JT doesn't give a fuck. You are listening to On Air with JT, pop culture, news, rants, interviews, serious discussions that the mainstream media won't talk about, and so much more. This is On Air with JT. You are listening to On Air with JT.
If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. On Air with JT.